0: Hi, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Stephen Adley-Girgis, playwright and co-artistic director of Labyrinth Theatre, and I'm here today with my fellow Lab member, my great friend and wonderful actor, Mr. David Zayas. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, man. All it's right. good to see your I'm face. To see you. So, Dave, uh, I guess we're going to be in conversation for the next 30 minutes, but I wanted to just start... Since you were with Lab from the very first days, if you could talk about how you got started and where you even found out about the audition.
1: Well, I found out about the audition while I was on patrol. uh, You were a a a police officer. I was a police officer. How how many years? 15 years. And um, I was patrolling that area, which was on 53rd Street, where Intar used to have a second space, Intar 2. And I was getting ready to get off. I was working a midnight shift and getting ready to get off and I saw a line outside and I was like, what, what's going on? They go, they're auditioning for a Latino actor's base. And I said, well, I gotta, I had just started acting, you know, I was in school and I said, I'm gonna give it a shot. So I went in, I auditioned and uh, I was lucky enough to get in with, uh, you know, uh, you know, 13, 14 other actors and, um, and it, it it started out as a – mostly as just an actor's gym and uh, with a lot of great, talented people, you know, yeah. um, like my wife. And what,
0: what level – yeah, Liza Lose- 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 and yeah. What, what level were you at as an actor? You were sort of in the beginning
1: I was stages. starting. Yeah, I was starting. The first day, I looked around and we started playing. We started working. And the first thing I said to myself was, God, I got to – I got a lot of catching up to do, (laughs) you know, and it continued because then the second year, you know, then Daphne came, you came, and 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 all these even just talented people came, and and it just, you know, that fed me to like get more experience. Yeah, I had this, I had the same
0: thing. The first time I came to a lab meeting and saw what was going on, I was like, I got a lot of catching up because not only would everybody so. Talented, but also they were just so free. I mean, I remember when I first walked into the alcove, you know, to go into where we used to meet Sammy Rockwell and Yule Vasquez. I didn't even know them. And they just came up and like hugged me and kissed me. And I'm like, it's men kissing men and and embracing me. That's (laughs) unconditional love. And then you get in the
1: room and everyone's just. The thing about it is that one of the main reasons I do this is for camaraderie. Because if you're going to be an artist, and this, and you're not sharing this with other artists or other people. Um, I don't feel it's, it's even worth it. I think part of that was the camaraderie that we had. But, f- like, you came on, and you were an actor. Yeah. And so, and then uh, as it went along, we started doing different workshops, whether it be movement workshops, voice workshops. And I remember one week we had a writing workshop, and we all brought in scenes. Most of the scenes... <laughs> were not really very good, but your scene popped. Was that and the
0: one that was that Paul Calderon directed? I think Liza was in it.
1: There was the one that Liza was in it. I don't remember who directed it, but um, it was like we all. I remember listening to your scene and just looking around and saying, "Okay, let's let's you know." I remember John Ortiz goes, "He's got to write another scene," and uh, and then that's where you know. So I, I just want to ask you, yeah. When did that transition actually become – because, you know, we all started doing other things. We were good at other things, but we all primarily thought we were actors. That's all we're good at. That's all we're going to do. Yeah. But there had to have been a point when you said, I could do both, and I could do both with the equal level of excellence that I can do. When did When did you realize that?
0: It was a process to get into, like, sort of acceptance of the fact that, I can also write, and I guess I've been given some aptitude for it, and so I need to continue to do it. Um, because in the, in the old days, I used to think you could only do one thing, really. Yeah. And even though we were multidisciplinary, it was like, yeah, we produce this, and that. But really, like, you know, I know who I see on TV. I know who I see in the plays, and I want to be that guy, you know, uh, and that and that gal. But uh, it's just over over time, and 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 you were there for like. All of it i mean yeah, I, was, I, I was thinking on the on the I rode my bike down here, and uh I was thinking about um again the camaraderie was a is a big part of it, and the friendship, the acceptance, and also the encouragement you know um it, i I got so much encouragement from other people and and I was thinking about when we did uh you remember Waiting for the Bus? Waiting for the Bus. It yeah. was a it was a play that uh that David's sister Cindy Zayas, who's actually a really good actor, doesn't doesn't she lives in Florida now, but Cindy and Melnieves and uh Charles Gofort directed and and I wrote was writing the play while we was rehearsing and then I didn't know how to end the play. And so literally like a few days before performances, I remember I called you and
1: do you remember what I <laughs> you said, "Hey, I got to end this play. Would you mind coming in and and ending doing that last scene of the play?" And I was and, and I think oh, I asked you it, if you could wear your uniform. If I could wear my uniform, my yeah. police uniform. And uh but without hesitation I said, "Yes."
0: And thank God you did. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just thinking about that idea that like I knew that I could count on you and others too. But I did so many with you that I always knew I could count on you. I always knew that you were interested in doing something if I wrote it. And that affirmation meant so much. And then I think maybe also while we were starting, you know, I'm sure I, I'm not, I know I wasn't the only one, but it must have been nice to know that when, you know, when I'm writing something, the chances are
1: and I'm, I'm going to be. Well, I've, I've been in, I think like 90% of what you've written. Yeah. And that's helped my career. And it's helped my journey as an artist because what you write is so you have an ear for the different ethnicities and different culture. And also you combine that with what's important in our times, whether it's the 90s in Times Square in Arabia or the, you know, the religion or uh, penal system in, in uh, Jesus hopped the A train to just family orientation in the neighborhood and the church in Our Lady onion 21st Street going all the way to relationships. So it's something that I know when you call me and saying this is piece I'm writing, I would like you to be a part of it, I know it's gonna be something that's going to make me grow as a as an artist the next time.
0: Well I think we grow I think we've been growing together. You know? I think it can, you can certainly chase me and you growing as artists together. You know, and with you know Phil Hoffman John T's other people but uh I I was encouraged to be able to write more challenging material for myself, because of the comfort I felt with with you and others you know, and to be able to um, transfer from like more broad comedy, which right. you funny guy to into more serious stuff, and that we I felt like we did a good job of challenging each other
1: absolutely. How do you feel about now you know taking on that this new very important full of responsibility role of artistic director of labyrinth theater company how has that transition um like how do you feel about that transition and how has that been for you not only as you know uh now an important uh, decision maker in labyrinth but as a writer and and writing and how does that how did that change in, at all in any way um
0: well i know that you served on uh before that ad's there's a committee and you were on a committee for many years so i know you know that uh it's not. Uh, it's not a lot of fun sometimes.
1: No, it's not. You know? um, but you're at a different level. It's a different animal now than it was back in 1997. It's, you know? it's
0: different, but but it's not because when 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 you guys were doing it, the primary responsibility was like we wanted to grow, but we also didn't want to fall apart and die. Right. And no matter how much an organization grows, it always seems to be a few steps away from disaster. Right. So there's a lot of like disaster prevention and maintenance. Um and you know, the only motivation to take on the job with Mimi O'Donnell, who's awesome, and uh and Yul Vasquez also is awesome is just to keep the company going right. because you know, uh we need it, you know. I think the individuals need it and and also I, I have a uh, an eye to wanting to bring it to, you know, that we we got to get the young guns to come in and uh, be a part of it so that they could, you know, we can retire to
1: Florida. And it, <laughs> and come in every once in a while when they write a roll for us. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think the one thing that we do have in common is that through experience and through, you know, uh, maybe failures and through successes, we know – the difference of what it takes to keep the company running as it's as it's gotten older. Yeah. And it's different. It's different because you have to deal with economics. You have to deal with the board. You have to deal with a lot of different artistic. As our artists, when we started, we were all very young. And as we get older, we get stronger opinions. We have stronger ideas about where we want our work to go. And we have less time. And we have less time yeah. and less money. You know, and so it's it's uh, it's something that uh, so far from what I've seen, you've handled it. You know, oh well, thanks, great. You know what I wanted to ask you is again, I was thinking about
0: this because it's great to sit here and talk to you, and we're like we're on the air. Yeah. But what's the real purpose of doing this? I always think is if it can be helpful, you know, and mm-hmm. who's it to really be helpful to? Mostly to younger people, and uh, I-, I wanted to ask you about. You know, I was talking to some young people the other day about what you got to do to sort of you know get a foothold in terms of having some kind of career and and the lengths that we go to and know uh, and you're a great example of coming basically as an untrained actor and and doing like Going to all lengths i mean I, I I remember always hearing stories about you like you know on patrol and then like clocking out and going in uniform to go to an audition or but maybe we could start just because you know there's a lot of times there are things that hold us back, and when you said uh less time and less money that I really think about you know like 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 two thousand mm-hmm. um, when you were working three jobs, um, can you talk a little bit about um what it is that, that, that drove you and enabled you to to really, you know.
1: Well, I, I think that when I started, I, I, I realized three things. The first thing I realized was I need to learn how to compartmentalize. If I learn how to compartmentalize, then I think then I could actually structure what I need to do to, to get to the next step. The second thing is, Can I need- Can you just
0: to elaborate a little bit? I, I know the definition of compartmentalized, but because you had, we were raising two children. You were I was, a police right. officer. You were trying to be an actor. Right. You were also a, you know, being a divorced father. You were also dealing with the stress of being a, a police officer. So how did-
1: My definition of compartmentalization, when it had to do with me, was being able to do, to handle all my responsibilities and still not cutting corners, because cutting corners was not gonna get you anywhere. I still had to find time to to do the work. I had to find time to make sure that my kids was around and make sure they were raised correctly. Which
0: you've done an awesome job. Thank you. David's
1: kids are amazing. And then find time to make sure that I do. Since I was a police officer, I had to take that responsibility very seriously. I couldn't just walk through that. And I think finding something within yourself and then just categorizing it as to what has more importance And then what you have to commit. Nothing comes free. Everything was, was a battle. But I think one of the main things that I, I was good at, and I don't know if, you know, if that comes for, for everybody, was I was able to identify the people, the good people that I would surround myself with. Who is going to teach me? Who is, who are good people, not gonna take me into the wrong side? And I was able to identify the good ones and discard the bad ones and i was able to do that and then the third thing was to when you do get something uh you have to like consciously stop and find the humility of what's happening and identify it and appreciate it and then you could actually relax and do the work and and actually be able to you know step up and and try to do the best work you can um and i never i never i never had met much expectation it was always uh, work-driven, not what I'm going to get in return. Um, because if that happens, that's just going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And most of the time, it probably won't happen. But um, it's just work-driven.
0: Yeah, because I mean,
1: that summer, I remember you were shooting Oz. I was shooting Oz. I was doing Jesus Hop the A train, and, and, and then I did a midnight shift. And you for were the doing midnight department. to 8 in, yeah. in, in Times Square. I was a bit of a zombie back then. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how you, how you did it. Um, drive, drive and the love of what you do, you know, and the love of what you do, the love of what I was doing as an actor in that play and, you know, just making, and the, the love of being able to take care of the other things that usually drag you down from doing what you love. I was able to actually kind of balance it all out.
0: Let me ask you one more question about uh, when you did the Nilo Cruz play. Mm-hmm. on Broadway, which you was awesome. Thank you. But uh I, I was wondering about I know that the audition process was rigorous for that, and I'm wondering like how it felt because within our community, you were like accepted as like the man. You I mean we, we did all our shows, you know, you were we did stuff. But how did it feel like when you were casting and be like, oh, like this isn't just my community of actors. I'm actually on Broadway. They chose me. And Can you want to talk a little bit about that step?
1: Well, I, you know, Anne in the Tropics, uh, it was written by Nilo Cruz. Um, while we were doing Our Lady of 121st Street, which you wrote over in uh, Union Square, uh, they had two workshops of Anna in the Tropics, which I was lucky enough to be a part of. Um, different actors, uh, but I did one in New York and one at the Makata. And then they decided they were gonna do it at the Makata and then it was gonna transfer to Broadway. So now I still had to go in and audition for the role. Which is a very,
0: you know, a vulnerable feeling when you've already done it and yet you still have to.
1: Right. You know, and it, it is. But the thing is, you know that there's gonna be people like producers that don't know who you are, right. you know, and they're putting up the money to do this Broadway play, you know, and and so I, I understood the process. I went in about three, four times, you know. Um, it's, it's I remember a,
0: Ortiz too went in Ortiz like Ortiz went he, that, and and he was like, don't these people know? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I remember Daphne went in a couple of Vanessa. I remember I auditioned once with Vanessa in the same room. Um, there was a lot in Victor Argo, uh, God rest his soul, Victor Argo. I remember going in with a lot of other, like, well-known Latino actors that I was like, I grew up watching, yeah. auditioning for that role. And, uh, the last audition I remember leaving and, and not knowing really, uh, this is my fourth time here. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I, I, I did what I needed to do. I did the work. And, uh, then I got the call that I got. It was extremely, uh, proud and excited. And then I heard that like Daphne was going to be in it. Vanessa, all Labyrinth members. John Ortiz, all Labyrinth members. And, and then, and then Victor Argo and then Priscilla. And it's just Priscilla Lopez. It's and just Jimmy. crazy. And then Jimmy Smits, you know. And, uh, so it was, that was a wonderful experience. It was, uh, I think, I don't know if it's one of the few or the only play that has all Latino actors, and it was wonderfully directed by Emily Mann, who was just wonderful to work with. And the whole experience was really good. It was really great.
0: I imagine, because I, I saw it on I saw it at Broadway, and it was one of those things where it was so exciting to see, you know, yeah, our, it, our it people was, up it there. It felt, like, it felt like I was part of it.
1: You know, but that's an example of when I say compartmentalize, is that, you know, I've done a lot of work I've, I've done, you know, uh, a lot of films and television and plays. Um, I have, I'm going, after this, I'm going to an audition for a movie. I still have to audition. And in, I compartmentalize, but I'm just saying that's, that's just the way it is. And as long as you accept that and you then take the steps to then go to that next thing, it's, uh, it makes life easier. <laughs>
0: You've always been very, Organize, like you said, organized, driven, and and in something amazingly <laughs> able to to take care of business on all fronts. Do you have any anecdote about like just when you like really messed up, maybe, and how you how you came back from that? A lot of times, I think people when people fall down, especially in this business, and when you're when you're starting out, it it feels like it validates something bad about you and, and about you know getting back on your feet.
1: The only thing I'm going to say about that is whenever...
0: Other than in She's Up Day Chain, when you questioned some of my... Tell <laughs> you, were like, is this a joke? I'm like, you don't have to be. it. We, 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 you don't need to have any lines, bro. Well,
1: listen, it was like, no, I never said that.
0: Yeah, remember that thing I wrote? I remember. I brought it, I stayed up all night. Is this a joke? And is I it brought it in Maybe it was a legitimate question. No, no, you, this was a question. You were like, is this really going to be in... Is this, this not really going to be in the script, right? <laughs> what? Philip? Did it end up in the script? No, no, I'll say it.
1: (laughs) I don't remember. I think that was Our Lady, though. That wasn't Jesus. I think that was Our Lady of 121st Street, I believe that. But Um, but tell tell us about it. Listen, whenever something doesn't go right or something really goes, it's usually based on ego, on my ego, which I then have to, you know, identify and put in check. Because as an artist, you're going to fail you you're gonna you're gonna do projects that are going to be good you 're going to do projects that are going to be bad, just like life art represents life, yeah you know sometimes things you know if every day was wonderful, then we'd all be you know beautiful people and happy and everything, but that doesn't happen and life imitates art and sometimes you know i uh let's just say an audition if i don't feel I need to audition for this. It's not only a no for me. It's like I'm insulted, and then sometimes I got to check that and say that's ego.
0: Could you you you, you care to
1: share the anecdote about um, the one arm man? No, no I'm going to <laughs> leave that alone. I'm just going to say, um, you know what? I'll, I'll share it this way. I'm not going to mention names or studios. There was a a role of a one arm man, and I'm not going to say what project or anything. And I remember going to an audition, getting a call back. I remember them telling my manager, he's so close to getting this part. I go in for the final audition. And, and I think you were clocking out and sneaking out of work. I was to, sneaking to do out it. of work. And, I was, and then they came up to me. And they go, David, listen, uh, you're wonderful. You're a wonderful actor. We're actually looking for an actor with one arm. And I looked at my picture and in my picture I I have two arms in my picture. Yeah, you kind of have like that uh, uh, yeah, shot where exactly, you fold right. it on. And I know for a fact that the person they cast has two arms. Right. Um and I I and I was going to walk away and then I couldn't and I went over there and I looked at picked up the picture and I said I have two arms in this picture. And I remember putting the picture down and walking out and as I'm walking out I I was one of those moments I said, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just walked out and just go on to the next thing. But, you know, some things like that, yeah. you know, depending on how you go about it, can can hurt you. And, and you have to be able to just stay humble and just, you know, go on to the next thing. There's a lot of actors out there and, and a lot of good actors out there that are not as fortunate as you and I. Yeah. Say, and know? also that, that idea
0: that everyone is replaceable. Everyone At the, at is the end of the day, it doesn't I, matter yeah. who it is. Yeah. yeah I thought about um, actually – when um, I won't, won't mention, I guess, the project either, but uh, but we were supposed to be in a film together years ago, and they hired me to play like the, the boyfriend of the lead, and then like a couple days before they were shooting, they fired me, and, and they were like, we really like you, but they thought like I was a method actor, or something, I don't know, and I was devastated. I mean, I was really, really, really devastated And I remember talking to Ortiz and Ortiz was talked about getting fired from Dangerous Minds. He's like, he's like, when I got fired, it was in the trades,
1: you know, but I got fired from Max Daniels play (laughs) to opera play because I couldn't (laughs) sing opera. And I told him that, but I, but I remember it it felt at
0: the moment, it felt like such a crushing blow and a defeat and affirmation of like, I'm just going to be a waiter. But what ended up happening was I wrote a play. Right. Like I had written Francisco and Benny it was a little play, short play that we did. Right. And then I wrote this play and it opened another door. And a couple, like a f- very few short years later, the, the couple that had made the film were like, Oh, we'd love to work with you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> no. It's, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, Sometimes things happen and it happens for a reason and you go to the next level, but yeah, it, and it still happens. I mean, you get better as you get older. Um, and you're, you're more in control with what your emotions and your spontaneity and your reactionary ways, but it still happens occasionally. And, um, that could be dangerous, especially for, Young actors are still, you know, that are trying to prove themselves because it's not just about what you do. Like and when you're doing a television show, you know, they want to they want to see you to see who they're going to spend maybe the next seven years with. Yeah. They want to see your personality. They want to see how, st- how stable you are. Now,
0: Do you get scared still? I mean, I know you're a confident, down-to-earth person, and you were a police officer, you carried a gun, so in retrospect, maybe nothing is that scary. But, like, you know, when you are getting closer and closer to getting to a part, when you got a screen test, I mean, do you get scared? Do you get nervous? And if so, how do you
1: manage it? Well, yeah, I do. I get, get, um, especially when I'm performing. Every time I perform on stage, it feels like my body's about to explode. And then you get on stage and you say, that doesn't change. Um, with an audition, yeah, I guess it depends on what kind of audition it is. If it's something that it's, you know, it could be a, a career-changing opportunity. Um, Yeah, you always get a little nervous. You always get a little... Um, but usually when you get in there and you, you take... uh What's good as you get older, you get more experience. As soon as you walk in the room you kind of just get a feel for the room. And most of the time, it's a good feel because most casting directors want you to get the part. Yeah. The producers in there, the directors in there, they don't want to be there all day. They want you to be good. So it's always a positive feel and I always try to get that feeling as much as the nervous feeling of going in there and falling on your face, you know, and usually that good feeling drives me through the audition and, you know, to to sometimes good results.
0: Well, David, David Zayas, uh, a proven veteran (laughs) New York City actor, on the stage, uh, off, 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 and Broadway, films, television. It's a long way since we'd
1: be walking down the block and the, the squad car would go off and it would be you. I know. What well, are you doing? Well, you know, a lot of that, you know, has to do with the work that we worked on and the plays that you wrote. Stephen Adly uh one of our finest playwrights today and one of our finest actors. And, um, you know, look forward to the next time.
0: Yeah, man. Soon.
1: All right, brother. I love you. you. Love you, too, man. Bye. Hello, I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Downstage Center. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Our engineer for today's show is Chad Bernhard. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available online, on demand, for free at AmericanTheaterWing.org. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website, AmericanTheaterWing.org, and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theater Wing, thanks for your support and thanks for listening.